Welcome to Faith and Science. I'm Dr. John Ashton. Have you ever thought where your thoughts come from? I had an experience just recently where I'd put my uh, caravan in to be serviced and we were about to go away on holidays and the day before we were to leave, I was just overwhelmed with this impression that I needed to check the wheel nuts on my caravan. And that evening it was so strong that I, I took my spanner set and I left it down by my back door so that I wouldn't forget to do it in the, in the morning. And when I went out in the morning, all the uh, bolts that hold the wheels on the wheel nuts could be tightened about half a turn. Now, I've, I've been towing trailers and, and driving for over 50 years, actually, and never before had I been impressed to go and check the, the wheel nuts. But on this particular time, I was, and it, it was important. It was, it was fortunate that, that I did. So where did those thoughts come from? I remember uh, another incident uh, th- that I was uh, thinking about uh, just before coming on air, and this occurred in, in Hobart, and there's an intersection between Davy Street, which comes down a hill, and Sandy Bay Road, a major road that comes out of the suburb, and they meet at a, an intersection, and on the corner uh, of this intersection is a large government building. Now, I was coming down the, the hill, heading north down uh, Davy Street. It was uh, an evening. I was... Um, uh, coming into uh, Hobart, it was a, a rainy night, and I had this distinct impression to slow down. Now, I was doing under the 60 kilometres an hour, which was the speed limit at the time, and there was a green light at the intersection. And I was thinking, uh, I, I need to, I want to catch that light. And I, but this impression to slow down was just so strong. And I I did. I slowed down a little bit. And just as I got to that intersection, a blue Datsun sports car came through the red light and actually clipped the the front bumper bar of the uh, car that I was driving and uh, spun me a little bit. But another fraction of a second earlier, if I had have been a fraction of a second earlier, that sports car would have slammed right into the side of me. So where did that thought come from that that really impressed me to slow down? Where did those thoughts come from? Another situation, as I've been a a keen interest in history, is when we think back to to Joan of Arc in the the times... uh, there in the in the Middle Ages, she was appointed the command of the French army. Now here we have a young a young woman, eighteen years of age, in a in a period of, of culture where uh, women were considered uh, more or less a, a chattel of their husband. I mean, when we we think about it, even today, it's only just over a hundred years um, that women have been allowed to vote in in many Western countries. So 
when we th- think about the situation of a young woman being appointed to the head of the French army, why did that happen? Now, we understand from the, from the court records and of her trial and the historical records that what happened was she asked to see the, the Dauphin, uh, the, the son of the King of France who hadn't yet been crowned, and when she saw him and asked for interview, she was able to tell him what he had prayed to God, his prayer to God. So she said that God had revealed to her what the prayer was. And as a result, the king was impressed and he put her in charge of the army. And of course, she lifted the the siege of uh, Orleans and the king was allowed to go and be crowned. And where there are many uh, amazing accounts in in, in history. Where, where did these thoughts come from? Some time ago, I did some uh, research into the crimes that were committed under the influence of alcohol. And there are some pretty horrendous crimes that have been committed when people have been under the influence of alcohol. And I really don't want to talk about them. They're, they're, we, you really just don't want to know the details. But where did the thoughts come from for people to do those gruesome things? And, of course, you know, many people do really gruesome things um, that aren't under the influence of alcohol. But there are other people that do really, really good things. One of the arguments that science uh, that, that scientists sometimes put up who, who don't believe in God is that they say, well, we, we want to believe in rational, we want to teach children to, to just think rationally, to, to think about the uh, data, to the, examine the evidence. We, do, we don't want children learning that there was Adam and Eve in a, in a garden and there was a serpent and there was a, a, a flood with a boat and all the animals went on it. We, we want them to learn facts. When we look at the, the facts, though, the facts of science are that we have no idea how the universe formed. We talk about the Big Bang, but there's really no known process where energy can be converted into, into matter um, without forming equal amounts of antimatter. And when we look out in the universe, as we've discussed in earlier programs, it's mainly matter. It's, it's not antimatter out there. When we look at the structure of DNA and the codes there and scientists at universities that are doing the research in these areas still don't have a mechanism for how the DNA code for new body parts can form because the structures required in the code to produce the new body parts are so complex. But yet our minds can understand the mathematics of physics. Our minds can understand the complexity of DNA. We've been able to make these discoveries and understand it. And at the moment, I'm talking. I'm talking here to you in English. And uh, presumably most of you listening to this program can understand what I'm saying because I'm communicating to you. I'm, I'm making sounds, but these sounds are really a code and the, your mind is interpreting this code and you're, it's creating pictures for you in, in your mind and, and we're communicating. And 
this is these thought processes are here. So we have a range of thought processes. So let's have a look at those. We have thought processes that have, have warned us of danger. We have thought processes that have motivated people to do really bad things. We have thought processes that have enabled us to understand the laws of mathematics and, and discover the laws of physics and, and chemistry and, and biology. And we can communicate with one another. We've, we've developed language. So one of the important aspects of trying to understand how we came to be when people talk about evolution and, and we want people to uh, believe that all these random chemical reactions produce the amazing complexity in nature, you need to understand that these chemical reactions work with just matter. Where did the mind come from? And where did the thoughts come from? Where did they originate? And really there's no explanation. But I... As I just read the news and look around and I see the, the contrast between all the bad things that we're hearing about on the news and then I read about all the really good things that people are doing and the, and the charities. Um, I was at a, a meeting last night of um, car club in, enthusiasts and, and they were talking about how we can raise some money to, to do good things uh, for charities, to support the rescue helicopter and, uh, and things like this. So there's this real contrast that we see out there. And, of course, this is exactly what the, the Bible describes. The Bible describes how there is uh, a loving God um, who created us, who created us for fellowship with him, who created us with minds that um, can interact with, with his mind. But it also talks about how there was a, a, a creator being who became very jealous of God and uh, his, his relationships and, and the way uh, his relationships with his creation and has in a way set out to uh, destroy that creation. And that's, of course, the story of Satan. And when you come to think about it, if there was a spiritual being and he wanted to destroy God's creation, us, how, how would you do it if you could, were a spiritual being and you could affect the mind? And this brings me to the thought when I, I look at some of the Thoughts that are put on the websites when people are discussing the creation evolution debate and the and the accusations that are made are against Christians and the assertions against Christians that that um, you know they're putting these bad ideas into you know children's um, head that there that there is a, a God but there's also a judgment and that uh, we're accountable to God that people are saying that these are, are really really not good ideas for children. But really, if we remove all these uh, sense of uh, limitations and barriers, uh, we see what, what happens in society. We, we see the areas of cities where there, there is no law and order and it's just not safe to go there and, and the people are fighting amongst themselves, the, the bad people are fighting amongst themselves. Um, so... 
as I've thought about these things, where uh, thought has, has come from, the and and I guess there are many stories that I, I could relate to uh, as well. I, I can remember servicing my car one time. Um, my wife had uh, gone ahead uh, to her parents and I was preparing our old car for a long trip uh, to meet her and while under the car I had the most distinct impression I need to get out from under the car and as I got out from under the car it rolled off the jack. Now I know people say, well, that was a silly thing to do. Well, I admit that. But I had that impression at that time. And I believe as, as people, as I meet people and talk to people and they say, well, I, I haven't experienced God. My experience with God is that I've felt God impress my mind. I've, I've had these thoughts that come in. And so as I read the Bible... I can read the accounts of other people who had experiences with God. God impressed their minds, and I can relate to that. I can relate to to their experiences, to their answers to prayer. And of course, you know, there's some amazing history and amazing prophecies in the in the Bible as as well as we we think of um, King Nebuchadnezzar who uh, built the, the famous Hanging Gardens of Babylon and, and, uh, and conquered the, uh, the, the, all the countries around where he was. He was a, a brilliant uh, strategist and a military strategist. And his um, Hanging Gardens of Babylon, the beautiful um, city and surrounds that he, he built for his wife, um, were certainly listed as one of the... Um, uh, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world by Herodotus, the, the, the Greek historian. And when we think of the account in the Bible of the, uh, the young Jewish uh, noble, Daniel, who was uh, taken into his court and how Nebuchadnezzar was really troubled by a, a dream uh, and none of his wise men could tell him what the dream meant because Nebuchadnezzar said, well, uh, if for me to genuinely know that you can tell me what the dream means. I want you to tell me what I dreamt. And uh, sort of like um, the Dauphin of France asked um, Joan of Arc what he had prayed. And just as God obviously revealed to Joan of Arc, God revealed to Daniel what Nebuchadnezzar had dreamed. And it was an amazing dream. Um, because Nebuchadnezzar essentially saw the history of that part of the world was unfolded to him uh, up to the uh, time when when God will will return uh, to this uh, to to this earth, and that's going to be a, a very exciting time. So here we have these this direct evidence of God interacting with men. Now, when this comes to the creation-evolution debate, as I've been studying this for over 40 years now and looking at the, uh, the evidence um, for uh, creation, I've been just so impressed that when we look at e even the universe, to me... The evidence is there that the universe is young. Why are we seeing the amazing phenomena that we see when we observe through our telescopes? Why are they happening on our time scale? 
Just the other day in the paper, uh, it was uh, revealed they've discovered a really large dinosaur footprint in uh, South America, I think it was. But why is it so close to the... Uh, uh, to the surface. Why Why are these things there now? Why haven't they eroded away? Why are the remains of the dinosaurs still there? Why are we finding, for example, uh, blood tissue and soft tissue in the remains of, of dinosaurs now? All these things are pointing to me uh, that uh, life on Earth is uh, is very young the extinctions that occurred are, are very recent. It fits the flood timing. And, of course, there are many, many other scientists who recognise this and uh, are, pointing, are pointing it out. But it's very difficult for them to, to get their work published. Uh, recently, uh, Stephen Meyer put out a book, Darwin's Doubt. And if you look it up on Amazon, Darwin's Doubt, uh, look it up on Amazon.com, you'll see that there are, I think it's over 700 reviews of the book now. And essentially he points out the evidence that the, the fossil record is not a record of, of evolution. The, the fossil record doesn't support Darwin's theory of evolution. In the book um, In Six Days that we've been talking about and, and going through, um, and again, uh, that is, uh, you can look up these chapters uh, if you Google creation.com. And when you go to the creation.com um, website, uh, if you do a search on in six days, you'll uh, come up with the individual chapters of the um, arguments that these scientists put, th put forward. In our last program, we... Uh, talked about the brilliant French mathematician Marcel Paul Schutzenberger, um, who pointed out that it was mathematically impossible for the DNA code to form by chance and, and create new organisms. Another uh, brilliant mathematician who points out the same thing is Dr Andrew McIntosh now. He um, holds a DSC, Doctor of Science, which is a higher degree than a PhD. He holds a DSc in Mathematics from the University of Wales. And um, he is uh, in the, at the University of Leeds there, a professor in uh, mathematics there. And he is an expert on flight, the mathematics of flight and also the mathematics of thermodynamics of, uh, of jet engines. But he has studied uh, flight in detail of birds and butterflies and insects. And he has quite a, uh, an extensive chapter looking at um, the design in flight and the design in feathers and and the impossibility of these structures arising by chance. He's, he's also a, an expert in information theory and has published papers showing that um, information cannot arise by chance. It requires intelligent thought process. It requires a mind. So his is a, an amazing chapter there. Another scientist who's uh, a creationist and, and contributed is uh, Dr Angela Myers. Uh, she uh, holds a, a PhD in horticultural science from the University of Sydney. 
and uh, she's an expert in the area of flowering plants and she points out and discusses some of the amazing characteristics of of, uh, flowering plants and how they're coordinated to factors of temperature and day length and light and the various hormone chemicals that are in plants that control their reactions. Now, all these hormones are produced by chemical reactions that are controlled by specific enzymes and these enzymes have uh, particular structures that they just don't form by normal chemistry. They only form in special factories that are present in biological cells. So this whole system can, can just not arise by random processes. It requires brilliant, intelligent design to put these factors together. Uh, another scientist who rejects evolution is uh, Dr. Stephen uh, Grocott. He's the general manager uh, for um, R&D, Research and Development for Southern Petroleum, and uh, holds a PhD in chemistry from the University of Western Australia. And he goes through and again discusses the processes that would be involved in the origin of life and uh, points out again from our laws of chemistry that it's impossible for non-living molecules to form a, uh, the first living cell. So again, he sets out much of the, the chemistry there and shows how, in actual fact, the, the Bible and the health laws in the Bible very much fit our current laws of uh, knowledge of of chemistry and and in particular health. And so many people think that the the Bible was written by people who were who were very primitive, but when we see the the laws, the moral laws that were introduced, uh, indeed uh, they have formed the foundation of Western society, which arguably has been, uh, the the most successful form of uh, of society um, at the present time, and um, the, these laws and uh, for washing and health and and so forth, um, we know fit in with uh, best practice now today for for keeping health. Um, Another uh, scientist who rejected evolution, who writes in this book, is, is John Marcus. Now, he holds a, a, a PhD in biological chemistry from the University of Michigan. And at the time that he wrote the chapter, he was, uh, he was working in a research centre at the University of Queensland in Australia. Now, uh, Dr Marcus... Um, with his uh, expertise in biological chemistry, sets out a very, very detailed article about how the molecules that are involved in living processes could not arise by chance. He looks at the calculations in detail, he sets it out, he shows the probability, and even if the Earth was billions and billions of years old, there would not be enough time for random processes to produce even the, the simplest of biological molecules. His chapter is very, very well written, and I, uh, I would recommend that um, anyone listening who is uh, studying biology or zoology uh, at university, that, again, you um, go on and Google the creation.com 
uh, website or Creation Ministries International. And when you get on that website, do a search for In Six Days. And when the uh, chapters uh, come up, uh, it'll be the first link that comes up when you do a search for In Six Days. Um, Scroll down until you come to John P. Marcus. His chapter is brilliant on uh, the biochemistry, explaining the biochemistry of life and why it is absolutely impossible for random processes to produce the molecules that construct the living organisms. Another scientist who uh, rejects evolution is uh, Dr. Nancy Darrell. And uh, she holds a PhD in botany from uh, the University of Wales. Her chapter, again, is quite, um, looks at, uh, is quite detailed in its assessment of the science of DNA and the uh, replication of DNA. And she looks at the claims that evolutionists make that uh, gene replication can produce new organisms and this sort of thing. And she very clearly and succinctly points out how this reasoning doesn't work. Uh, These sort of processes can't produce the uh, new and complex uh, amounts of information that are required in a new organism. Matter of fact, she has a, a detailed uh, rebuttal of the arguments that uh, Richard Dawkins um, puts out in the Blind Watchmaker. So that's another very important chapter that I would recommend that uh, you look up Nancy uh, Darrell, Dr. Nancy Darrell's uh, chapter. And again, of course, um, this uh, material, you can buy the the book in six days uh, at bookshops such as uh, Kurong or on Amazon or any of the um, internet book uh, distributors. Uh, In six days, why 50 signers choose to believe in creation. Or again, you can download the chapters for free on uh, uh, creation.com. My uh, book, Evolution Impossible, uh, summarises a lot of these arguments as, as well. And again, um, you know, that's, that's available on um, Amazon.com. And if you, if you look up Evolution Impossible and you scroll down, you can see the sort of arguments as people have uh, reviewed the book uh, and people uh, have then posted comments on the reviews, and you can see the intensity of the the arguments over creation uh, versus evolution. But one of the important uh, points that I'd like to to make is that a lot of times, uh, particularly evolutionists, are making assertions that this is the case, or that this happens, or that this is wrong. It's very important to have good data. And one of the things that has come out in the book in six days is that these scientists have put out the data why evolution is impossible. They've referenced it to the peer review literature. The same with the book Evolution Impossible. So it's important to understand that there is really, really good data now that shows that evolution is absolutely impossible. And we need to remember again that evolution cannot explain the mind. It cannot explain the thoughts. It cannot explain those impressions that we get that that save us as times. Well, thank you for listening today. 
You've been listening to Faith and Science, and I'm Dr. John Ashton. Bye for now. You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio. 